Hi, I'm Steve Emanuelson, and welcome to the I Know a Guy podcast, where I talk to my friends about subjects they know well and that I find interesting. My guest in this episode is Jim Montgomery. Jim is a former co-worker of mine that shares a lot of the same interests that I have. Jim has a, a great geek mind. Uh, in this podcast, we get to experience it both from his tales about the IT industry and how he consumes pop culture. So now let's get to know Jim. And remember, make interesting friends or make friends interesting. Hey, we're here with my friend, uh, Jim Montgomery. Jim, thanks for joining. You're welcome. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, as you know, we, uh, we here like to talk to uh, people I know and uh, get a chance to uh, talk about cool stuff. And uh, it's easy to talk to uh, good friends, uh, especially about uh, subjects that uh, we share in common, which I think we have plenty. Um, uh, just to kick things off, I wanted to give you the chance to kind of explain some of the background. Like, like, why do we know each other? How do we know each other? <laughs> Why do we know each other? Um, I started a job where I was... I'm trying to remember what that job was. It was uh, in like third-level support for IT stuff and shenanigans, mostly Active Directory um, and some other stuff, some database stuff, at supporting as contractors the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. You already worked there when I started, I think. I did. How long had you been there? Like two years? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was there just a couple, couple, probably two years prior to that. Um, yeah, I, was, I was working there as a contractor, uh, supporting their, uh, their Novell environment. I'm not, we're not going to get bogged down into uh, too many technology-based <laughs> things, but uh, it's hard to avoid since that really is the basis of... Uh, of how we know each other and how we make money and, <laughs> and how, it's the basis it's, of the, our universe it's our, basically it's our livelihood i mean we are literally talking into a computer right now uh, so good point, good point. <laughs> yeah so it turns out you like eating lunch and so do i <laughs> um i think that is what was the start of our friendship but then you're also a fantastically amazing or very interesting person i should oh, I say with lots that. of different interests and you're certainly open-minded and you always want to hear about new stuff yeah definitely um and likewise, I always like talking to you because you always, you're like, hey, do you hear about this new thing? And I'm like, no. Or I had heard, but you have a different perspective. Or, <laughs> That's so. right. That's uh, 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 hours and hours of uh, internet reading <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I should be working. I suppose. I don't know. It, it went to a good place, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, w- what I did want to talk about a little bit is uh, while we were there, uh, a majority of what we worked on is basically uh, the, the foundation of what you're doing now, uh, which is essentially working with a uh, directory uh, and you know getting information from one place to another, consolidation of information, especially when you're based in uh, you know you know what's your login, what's your information, and, and how that information ties over to different places. And, and to give a good example, uh, most people when they uh, log in at work, they've got a login, so it's usually you know first initial last name, uh, they're maintaining their passwords, but then they have to log in differently 
to their email or their or to do their um, submit their timesheets or uh, or whatever their application is that they do on the side. They've got a whole another um, uh, login and password that they have to manage. Uh, so we're coming at this from what's called uh, identity management, where or lack thereof, or, or lack yep. thereof. But uh, the goal uh, is trying to uh, consolidate those into. I'm not going to say single sign-on, uh, a reduced sign-on <laughs> situation, because uh, I think the single sign-on is kind of the holy grail, where it's like a one one login to rule them all. But uh, a lot of times, that's a difficult. Uh, uh, that's a that's a steep hill to climb. Yeah, normally the um, consolidation of passwords or synchronization of passwords across all these different systems that every enterprise has. You know, it's, you might not even realize it, but your company probably has you know somewhere between ten and hundreds of applications out there, and somebody has to maintain all those user accounts. You know, turning them on, granting, giving them access to things, and then the opposite when you leave the company or when you change positions. So these days, when I think about identity management, instead of like the the password sync, that's a really cool, quick win that we usually put in place. That people are like, "Hey, that did something," and now our users don't have to remember fifty different things. So that's a quick thing to do. Um, the more interesting th- stuff is when we start automating, like creating accounts or removing accounts, the provisioning and deprovisioning, because that's where you're using the computer to do the job that it used to take, you know, twenty or thirty different people to do in some places. And you're automating it, so now you don't have to think about or pay those people to th- think about, like, all right, what access do we need to grant here? On the flip side, the only other thing I want to add is there is this other concept of um, access governance, where once you've already, you know, you have this automated system that's doing all this great stuff, we're giving permissions all over the place. How do you know that these people still need those permissions on a regular basis? And this this is a growing component of identity management, in, in my view. Right, and. Uh, I can give you a, a little bit of insight. I won't talk too much about where I'm working, but uh, where I work now, there's lots of uh, governance in, in place where we do full reviews of, uh, of being a member to a group. So mm-hmm. a group may grant you access to uh, to a shared drive, for example. Um, but if it's something fairly important uh, on a regular basis, quarterly, yearly, uh, depending on how, um, how sensitive that information is, um, you or your or your manager will get a uh, notification saying, "Hey, you're you're still a member of this group. Are you sure you still need that?" And um, you know, when you first think about it, you're like, "Oh, I get reminders to to maintain membership to a group. This seems like something you should set it and forget it." But you got to think of it from uh, from a security standpoint. It's like you only need. You, know, you should only have access to the things you need, not yep. access to everything, and and then hope for the best. I think the best way to think about it is from a fraud perspective. Like, hey, you've been at a company thirty years; you probably have access to everything by the time you're you're done. Right. And you know what? There's you shouldn't be able to you know set up a, a new client in the system and then write checks to yourself. I'm, I'm exactly. sorry, but you you that's probably something that should not be allowed. So, in order to prevent things like that. Or just people having access to more than what they need, which is, you know, data leaves companies. Data is leaving. The fraud is happening right now just about everywhere. You just, that's the mentality I start from because then you start looking for like, okay, how do we prevent it and and be serious about it? Not just the places that are high risk, but, you know, across the board, how do you make it the safest system as possible? Well, let's let's go back to some of this automation, Uh, trying to... uh, trying to define this a little bit better um 
So the way that I, I would explain to somebody that doesn't have exposure to this environment is, uh, you know, you have, like I was saying before, you've got a first initial, last name, base, login, or logon, and uh, there's all kind of uh, attributes that are associated that, with that as well. So it's not just your logon. It's also, you know, your first name, last name, your phone number, your email address. Yeah. All these Where are attributes. Where you sit, who your manager is. Exactly. Yeah. All these yeah. things are taught or attributes based off of that logon. Um, and some of these things are generated or, or validated uh, in different systems. So, you, you know, you may log on to your uh, computer in the morning, um, but that system that you're logging on to doesn't necessarily know uh, about your email address. Um, that's more of an email system. Yep. Uh, so I'm kind of kind of throwing you a softball here. It's like, you know, kind of explain how different systems manage different attributes. So there's a concept of which system in your enterprise is authoritative for a certain attribute. And once you figure out, like, oh, the email system is the guy who's in charge of the email address. That's awesome because I wanted you to use that word. It's almost like if I was teaching a college (laughs) class and I wanted the the word to be repeated because it was going to be on the test, authoritative source would definitely be on the test. Yeah, that is a key concept in any mature identity management system that you're getting data from the place who specifies what the data should be. You're not just assuming HR knows what the person's... Um, email addresses, you're actually going to the email system to get that. And then and then you're synchronizing all this data back and forth between systems so everybody, where it needs to be in well, place, that's it's that's up to date. That's a good point about the, the HR system because they're an authoritative source for, you know, for like, other information. Yeah, first name, last name. Right, because you, know, you come in as a new employee, uh, you know, you've got your resume that's been submitted, finally they're processing you as a new employee, they're verifying all your information, background checks if, if that needs to happen, so now they have um, you know, their, you know, the personal information, first name, mm-hmm. last name, your, uh, you know, your uh, official name, um, maybe not nicknames, uh, things like that. So uh, that's where the HR system comes into place. Um, um, and if you throw on top of the, you know, so you've got this concept of you have something that's sitting in the middle that is maintaining what it knows to be good data for each of these identities, if you throw on top of that some type of self-service system where the user can log in and they can potentially update this information if, like, hey, my phone number is different and I want to update it in this company directory, now you've just eliminated, like, a phone call to HR or a phone call to who knows how many different systems that needed that info, but there's no way before to... You know, you had to talk to 20 different people to get it updated all over the place. Right. I mean, you've got a, um, a you know, system administrator that uh, manages those accounts. Uh, that person has enough on their plate that they don't need to be called all, every time that somebody moves from one desk to yeah. another. Um, or more interestingly, you free them up so that they can do other more important work than, oh, I need to update this little value on this one user. Right. Um, we, we have these things called computers that are awesome that we can, you know, do things with. So I, that's my whole goal is to leverage our technology to make it work that's for right. us. I, I have no doubt that my company saved other companies millions and billions of dollars <laughs> just through automation. And, you know, it, it's once you put it in place, you forget about it. Right. Like, oh, wait, that's right. We didn't have to create these 4,000 users last year because we had the system doing it. Or, you know, hey, we, we forgot that we didn't remove you know, all those group memberships because we have the system in place that automatically does it. And mm-hmm. those things add up really quick because once you start getting it at that level, then you, you can take it a couple other levels deeper. Like, 
hey, is there a certain role that this person has? Oh, they're like accountant one. Maybe we can grant them rights to the right things that an accountant is supposed to have. And right. I don't know. It just kind of builds on itself. And so you, you've essentially created uh, a universal account, but distributed the, uh, the attributes. Yep. Actually, you just reminded me of a really good example of that. Um, Ooh, share. It's like saying, share with us. hey, what if you were to just use your Facebook account to log into everything? I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> Only because it's your personal Facebook account. But what right. if you had one account? Okay, let's say you had a, a business Facebook account. Uh, okay. <laughs> or a okay. B Facebook, let's call it. Or a, how about a BF book? Or I don't know what we'd call well, it. Well, not to put too fine of a point on it, but you know, your Facebook account, you can log into other systems yep. using that exact same account. Yep. Um, I'm sure everybody that has a Facebook account has run into that. You, know, you have that opportunity. Yeah, like, oh, I want to log into Dropbox or some service on the web, and it's like, hey, you can just log in with Facebook now because we trust that Facebook is maintaining your identity, and we're just going to we're going to use that. Right, and the alternative is creating a new account. Yeah, so, so the, unsubscribe. The, I don't yeah. do that anymore, man. I don't, I've got enough accounts. <laughs> well, using that Dropbox example, uh, instead of using a centralized account such as Facebook, or an account that could be transferred from one service to another, yep. uh, you can log in and create a, a new account at, uh, at Dropbox. But now, in addition to your Facebook account, now you have a Dropbox account, uh, yep. not to mention however many other accounts you have going on. So uh, we're using this example in a, on a personal level, but mm-hmm. in a business situation, it's not that different. It's actually not. I, I think the example still applies because there's some instances where your business might have external users. Do you want to have to maintain identity information, well, well, you know, username and password? I, for, define what external users Like, let's means. suppose I'm a bank and I, well, let's, yeah, a bank's a good example. And I have uh, external users who need to log in. Or let's say I'm a government agency and I have external users that log in to, to do a service for me. Or let's say I provide... Like a contractor, for example. Exactly. Or let's say I provide a service or maybe I I sell hardware, I sell modems. I might have external users that need to log in um, to find out what their warranty information is, for example. I don't want to have to maintain all the username and passwords for all of those people if I can avoid it. That's expensive. And it could be as simple as your customers versus your employees. Sure. Yep, absolutely. And by leveraging another existing identity that, that they have... I can save money then if I can trust or if the service I'm about to provide them only requires the level of trust that let's say a Facebook account can create then you know what I've just saved myself a lot of headache because now I don't have to maintain I don't have to have a help desk to you know Mm -hmm. keep that identity information up to date I just have to be reasonably sure that Facebook isn't going anywhere in the next (laughs) decade which I'm pretty sure that's going to not be the case so so um so where you're working now, uh, you you are really focused on identity management, provisioning. Uh, am I missing anything else? Actually, the access governance component access is governance. what I'm, I'm most focused on lately. Um, the other really big thing that which is been, basically validating what access you have yep. uh, to make sure that uh, you're not getting more rights than what you deserve. exactly. So like periodic access reviews type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing that I've been working on lately is uh, a lot with smart cards. So we have a number of federal customers, and um, you may realize or you may have heard that all federal government folks have been issued, for the most part, not 100%, but it's getting there, have been issued uh, these digital or they're plastic cards that have a digital certificate on them. And that certificate is a valid identity for them. 
right. that they can use to authenticate or get into the building or you know sign emails with or encrypt messages. Uh, and, and we've been doing a lot of automation when you know new users are brought on board. Hey, guess what? We're gonna um, create this certificate for them and make sure it's placed in the right location so that they can log in automatically and use it. Well, you know, come. I, I'm in an environment where where we use smart cards, not only for uh, logging on. So I, I plug in my smart card, and I still provide my. Uh, uh, I provide a password, but technically it's a PIN. Mm-hmm. And that PIN is basically validating that the certificate on the smart card is, is going, can allow me to log on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we've extended that to our physical security too. That same card that I put into my computer to log on, uh, I can beep myself in and open the, the door, you know, the front door to the building so I can, so I can get in. Uh, which is fantastic. I mean, that one, you know, that now we've consolidated a logical access card and a physical access mm-hmm. card. So, um, you know, I've been in situations where I've had to maintain both. Uh, so, and it's very nice to have that consolidated. Do you guys have processes in case you forget it at home? You know, the whole lost, yes. broken, stolen type yes, of thing. Exactly. Uh, it's it's one. It's a multi-step approval process where you generate a new certificate. Uh, but somebody has to vouch for you, essentially. Yep. Okay, that sounds pretty decent. As long as it's not too painful when somebody forgets something. It has to be a little painful. Because that's, yeah. that's a great motivator when you feel pain of some right. type. Like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done but, that. But I, I bring up the, uh, the how my smart card uh, situation is simply because uh, I think... Like many people, I initially was under the assumption, like, oh, I got a smart card. I don't have to remember a password anymore. Well, I don't have to remember a password that is scrutinized. Yeah, that uh, changes every ninety that, days. Exactly. That's I don't have a, a certain. I don't have a password that has to change every ninety days. I don't have. I don't have to uh, adhere to you know you know alphanumerics and and characters and numbers but, and, all, and all that. But the the. And so it seems like that's less security, but to have a physical piece of security is more secure in my... Do your cards yeah. lock out if you enter the wrong pin after like three or five attempts? Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty I, sure I, they do too, which actually makes it more secure than even if you have a much longer password, even if it changes every 90 days, if that account doesn't like lock out after a number of failed attempts... Somebody can event, you know, there are, there's lots of math that goes into figuring out how long it's going to take somebody to hack that. Right. And, and, and just comparing cards. the passwords to the smart cards, it's easy for someone that's not you to try to use your password. It is not easy for someone that's not you right. to use your, your smart card. Well, exactly, because it's something you have, in it's fact. So. Have, exactly. And hopefully it's something you know, which is only you know your PIN, theoretically. I should really not, uh, you know, write it on the no. sticky note and put it on. No, the don't put it in marker on the monitor. And <laughs> um, some smart cards even capture uh, some biometric information, so it's it's potentially a three-factor card in some places where right. it's you know like an iris scan or a fingerprint or something like that, which is like it's really fancy. Next level stuff. Ugh. I don't know. I'm I'm happy with the two-factor because I, I think that's a you know. Passwords are such a you know World War Two like nineteen sixty <laughs> type of thing. Right, we live in the future. Yeah, we do live in the future, and uh, and to sit here and like, all right, now to remember your password. Uh, as soon I've heard somewhere, you know, as soon as you write down a password, it's no longer secure. Um, so it's like, well, how am I going to remember it? Yeah, um, you know, I've used 
every uh, you know I've tried to create a formula of like okay you know I'll use this object and this place that I lived and this number that I used used to be my favorite you know just some sort of combination of all those I think I've just figured out all your passwords I, so. I think you may have <laughs> uh, you've cracked it you've cracked the code sweet but uh, yeah getting back to the smart card thing is it it takes a lot of pressure off uh, of all those passwords but um, trying to get this full circle now we're we're dealing with passwords in a singular singular location mm-hmm. as opposed to you know having you know not only would you have to have uh if you didn't have identity management for example you would have to have a password an account and password for every system that you're logging on to uh or you would have to have a smart card for every system that you log into yeah, that would so be the ridiculous. identity management yep. You know, really consolidates that into uh, into one logon or or a reduced logon. I always say that because you know the the concept of a single sign-on, where you log in for one thing, is sometimes a pipe dream. I've, I've <laughs> thought of that as a holy grail of yeah. IT, meaning it's something that you can never quite get because it's just out of reach, or you don't know where it is, or you know you don't understand how to get there. I will say it is possible. Um, and every organization is different with the number of applications that they have. So it, and not only that, but they're constantly adding new applications and, and throwing away old ones. So it's one of those things like when you start implementing an identity management program, um, I hate to tell you this, but it never stops. Right. right. It's something that becomes part of your process because now you're incorporating, you know, oh, you're bringing on something new. You incorporate it into the fold. You don't, there's not a special project to do that later, you know, three months from now after everybody already has their credentials. Right. You I, bring I'm, it on board. I'm, I'm at putting the in a new system. All right. Now we have to manage how the logins are yep. involved. It's not, you can't operate in a vacuum. It's not yep. your system, your, your logons. You have to incorporate that with the existing password. So for example, uh, if I already have a S manual account, or I say S manual because it's always truncated because S manual has never been my account for anything. Um, so when you start so your own I, business, you're so going to be my like first initial last name, <laughs> my first initial last name account, uh, any system that I want to access, I, I want it tied into that consolidated system. I don't want to have to create a new account. I think this is becoming easier because consumerization of IT has led more people to, you know, having gadgets at home. It's led more people to, you know, have a Facebook account and then want to receive services without having to remember 50 different passwords. Mm -hmm. And I think product vendors see that and they're like, all right, we need to figure out some way or maybe a couple different ways that we can make our product work with multiple authentication mechanisms on somebody's network. So is it AD integration? Is it, do we support SAML? Um, some way we need to be able to support using an identity that's managed outside of our product. And that technology is, there's a large number of standards already. It's still changing and there's some emerging things which are pretty excited or exciting, but I don't know. I, I feel like it has arrived. It, if you're not doing, if you're not thinking about identity in a large organization, then it, it's an archaic, you're costing money. It's an archaic way of thinking, you know, because it wasn't that long ago that every system that was brought online uh, or was made production available um, it was in its own. Yep, it was in its own vacuum. I agree. It's like. And you have well, to, you you know, have to adhere to our w- rules to uh, log into it. In 10 to 15 years ago in IT is a lifetime, though. No kidding. Right? No I mean, there's kidding. products that have come and gone and been replaced or, you know, 10 versions different since then. I don't know. I, I When I chose to go into the IT realm, 
that's something I, I knew was going to happen where it's technology. There's always going to be new stuff to learn. And I, I kind of felt like, all right, this will be a challenge. That'll be great. And I'll always have something, you so, know, to keep learning. So let's uh, play, you know, go in the Wayback Machine. When you first got into IT, what were computers always around you? Or was it everything prevalent? Or did or was there a... Uh, some reason that uh, you gravitated toward uh, an I, uh, a career in IT? Uh, computer games. Oh, nice. Since I was little, <laughs> since I was real little, I, I feel like there was almost always a computer in our house. You know, my dad was an engineer and he had like a Timex Sinclair and then we had like a IBM PC Junior for a while and it, it was always about the computer games, like being able to run them and, right. and get it going and... Um, and there's, you know, this is back in DOS days, and there was a point where I realized, wait a minute, I know what every single DOS command does in here. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. Okay. I wonder how I can expand on that. And, you know, then it's like, wait a minute, what about computer networking? Yeah. And, and this dovetails into a conversation you and I have had where uh, to learn anything new in IT, you, just, you need context. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't just sit, decide on an avenue uh, or some subset of IT and say, okay, Jim, go learn this. You need a reason to learn it. You have to have a function. You yeah. have to have a desire, something that is motivating. A project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something that says, okay, we need to learn how to do X. And we need to do X by using this tool Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, go learn Y. And then that's where you apply it. You learn, And you never learn it <laughs> top to bottom. You learn it so piece, by piece. piece by yep. piece. So like, okay, by implementing or exactly. by... Yeah. I, I need to... All right, I need to be able to... You know, I've got a brand new OS I've never dealt with before. Uh, how do I copy a file? Well, if it's Windows 7, you're just screwed. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, if it's Windows 8, you're just screwed. Or, right. Because that... I, it took me a while to figure out how to log off. Actually, my mother-in-law has more Windows 8 experience than I do. I, I've never used it. Never used it. Um, I've been limited to Windows 7, and as far as I'm concerned, I, I think that's where OSs uh, stop. <laughs> so what about what does Windows 10 look like in your future? I, I don't know. It's, it is the future. I, I, that's, where, uh, that's what astronauts use. I've had a thought or two that, you know, I, I might need to do this upgrade sometime soon just so I'm not, I guess it's only two versions uh, ago, but well, I don't know. Uh, I feel like a bad nerd when I don't have a current you know, computer uh, I, OS, with, you know what I mean? I'm with you, but... Uh, then again, all, I don't I'm run also, a Linux box either, so it's like, right, eh, okay. And, so. and I've simplified my needs, too. Like, I've gotten to the point where I can do pretty much everything as long as I have an internet connection and a browser. <laughs> I, and, and a browser? Not, you mean links, right? Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is I mean, a text-based browser for yeah, it, but people that haven't used that. But there's so many things that are web-enabled that the yep. need for the OS is merely a uh, a launching point to access the internet. Mm-hmm. Once I have once I have access to the internet, whether I'm using uh, a Windows operating system, you know, whether it's Windows 7, 8, 10, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. I can do the same. I can do, probably not the same, but I can do a lot of the same things using my uh, using my phone. I'm absolutely, or like a Chromebook, for example, oh, yeah. or a tablet where it's not really a, a, you know, it's an OS still. It just has severely limited, you know, functions that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um that, that's very interesting to me, especially based on the conversation we just had talking about, you know, how do you single sign on everything? Well, you know what? If everything's web-based, it's a lot easier already. Right. Um, it's a, 
It's a uh, lowest common denominator. Yep. Uh, something that uh, they, everything had in common. Um, and that's where, where you can work out uh, when you start saying, okay, now now uh, I'm trying to combine my Linux system with my Windows system with my Oracle application. And that's where it gets, that's, that's some complex stuff. But yeah, I totally agree. Uh, give me an IP address and a <laughs> browser, and we can we can tackle the world. Again. A friend of mine just got a uh, a Tesla. Actually, and he let me drive it for a little bit. That car has an IP address and a web browser. <laughs> <laughs> well, Be- between that and a full charge, you can tackle the world. That's I'm pretty right. sure. But, but uh, and uh, and even. Just recently, you know, we, we just uh, got through uh, time change, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking around my house and going to all the uh, all the clocks that are uh, that are now wrong. Yeah, uh, thanks, clocks. Know, I mean, granted, it's digital, so now it's just a matter of you know probably hitting three buttons before I, before it's yeah. Reset. But you got to hit them all at once, and then you got to remember like, is this the one I hit the three buttons over here? Exactly. Or? So what a hassle. So. Um, I mean, how much? You, you know, how hard is it to just get an IP address on on your clock, <laughs> so that it's like, oh yeah, by the way, that means that you know the first the first weekend in November, uh, or the first Sunday in November, yeah, we're going to we're going to um, turn the clocks back one hour. So I, I had a thought recently where, um, you know, every clock is. Even a, what is that saying? Every broken clock is right twice a day, exactly. unless it's an iWatch. <laughs> because if it's broken, it's not doing anything for you, right? And then it's mm-hmm. just worthless. And in a, in a sim- there, there's something to be said for the, anal- the analog universe that we live in. And I like the idea of actual clocks. Right. Um, but I totally hear what you're saying. It's it's we live in the future. We should not have to deal with that. Here, here's another challenge where the the date for when daylight savings time starts and ends has changed a number of times in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, which wreaks na- havoc in the IT industry, by the way. Well, it, it's managed. It, it's <laughs> it, kind of like oh my gosh. Either you're you know heads on fire trying to figure out how to fix it, or you're ahead of it enough. But um, so not only do you need to get the correct time on your internet enabled device it also needs to know when to apply daylight savings time <laughs> which then <laughs> means now it's getting like bios updates or something yeah, well, and co- let's just not move the goalpost <laughs> yeah. yeah keep keep something standard my little brother got me a uh, a wall plug that is uh ip enabled and it then controls the power so i have a i have one lamp in my house that will turn on at 7 p.m or possibly 6 p.m., depending on when, if it's daylight savings time or not. And then it turns off around midnight. And, you know, that, that thing's been really cool. It's awesome. Until last week, where it was like... I don't know what time it is. It was really dark. And it's like, what's why is this lamp not on? And so I had to get on my phone and turn the light on. Because that's how you turn lights on now. So, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I, I saw something recently. Uh, people were, Somebody was saying, well... Um, I had to plug in my uh, my e-cigarette into my computer, but then I had to remove it because uh, a friend of mine needed to recharge his, his book. <laughs> <laughs> and now I hate the future. <laughs> so so it's a slippery slope. Like, does everything need to be web-enabled and have an IP address? Or a USB or, requirement or, there. Or electric, you know, is everything need to be an electronic device? I, I hope that does happen, but I hope it waits until we have those reversible USBs everywhere. Where, <laughs> That's right. Because, because it's guaranteed... I will get it wrong. It's not a 50-50 shot yeah. of plugging in a USB connection. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely about a 75-25 of you getting it wrong. 
this be? Well, I, well, I tried we've really got, hard. We've got other things to talk about. We don't have to talk about IT all the time. Um, uh, Go one, on. of the th- one of the things that I, 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 you know, your your exposure to uh, uh, to pop culture is a, is a big thing. Um, and I, I'm, I hate to stereotype, but uh, you're probably a bit of a Bit of a nerd geek. Whatever. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Of course it is. Yeah. So Actually, I, I think a lot of people, uh, there's a cultural trend towards like, hey, are you nerdy about something? Awesome. <laughs> and that's freaking fantastic. I want to live in more in that world where it is, you know, rewarded where you have some really nerdy thing that you get into. Right. You know? And, you know, and, and if we're going to define, you know, whatever that uh, cultural thing or or, uh, um, you know, if it's a movie or a book or whatever that's nerdy or geeky, chances are um, it's multi-layered. It's pretty deep. Uh, it has a lot of things going on to it um, and, and not easily consumable. And not easily, I don't mean that by saying, wow, that's really hard. I can't read it. It's just like, you know, there's a lot to chew on here. Yeah, there's uh, thinking that's involved, not mm-hmm. just I'm going to consume this reality TV. Uh, granted, I have a special love for reality TV shows, uh, so I don't want to throw them under the bus. But well, it's well, not just, just a mindless... Well, I I compare that to different uh, different different types of movies. I mean, there's movies that I would like to sit down and like I I want to think this out. I want to I want a problem that I have to solve along with the uh, the main character. But then there's other times where like I want a bucket of popcorn and I want to see crap exploding on the screen. Yeah, sure. Um, and you know what? They're both valid. Yeah, and they're and, and they're both plentiful It's too. like all the different styles of beer. Sometimes you want like a dark chocolate stout. Other times you want some piss beer. <laughs> you know. That's right. So it's a it's it a wonderful depends. world that we live in that we have options like these. Although, um, did you read that Paradox of Choice book where this guy explains how, and I totally believe this concept, where if you have too many things to choose from, then you, your brain automatically starts doing this thing where you look at the best uh, capabilities of the of certain things, and then you try and you compare that to all the choices that you have, and then you are suddenly looking for something that has all of these perfect qualities, which doesn't exist because everything has some right. good qualities, but then there's cons too, and then you just get paralyzed by it because there's too many. Like the what's it, the main example in this book is like the 48 different options of spaghetti sauce that you have. Mm-hmm. You uh, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. He, no, this is a different dude. Oh, I, he, it, he same kind of yeah, same same type, same style of book. It's a different dude, which I wish I could remember, but I read it a couple years ago. It was freaking fascinating. Um, so, oftentimes, like you know, in business world, you don't give your boss like, well, we can do whatever you want. What do you want to do? Because then he has to come up with something. You give him like one or two options, hopefully two or three, maybe even, right. because then you can make a more informed decision. Because right. um, you don't have the infinity of like, well, we need it to be the best, but then again, we can't spend everything on it. And, and right, and, and I think uh, there, there's the the long tail yep. uh, effect uh, or long tail theory or whatever they want to talk about, where you know, kind of kind of the same idea where um, you know the further or you know, you've got your most popular option under a category, mm-hmm. and or take music for example. It's like I've you know, there's tons of different kinds of music. Uh, and before, you know, in the way back <laughs> when there was no internet, the before times, and we had to go to you know the record store, CD store, whatever, uh, you're limited by the physical space wow. on the shelf. It's like that, you know, the bestsellers are are what's going to be on the shelf, and that's what you had to choose from. It's and a business. 
Exactly. And then you you have a website that has close to unlimited storage of all the music that you could possibly ever think of. Actually, now, it has stuff you have not thought of. <laughs> exactly. So you've got all these things that you can you can choose from, and that's where you get bogged down. It's like, all right, if I can choose every music style in the world, what do I decide on? And you know what the answer is? What is it? Spotify. <laughs> so now there's streaming. It's like, all right, you're not going to buy it all. Tell you what, we'll just give you everything. And tell you what, you just tell us one thing that you like, and we'll give you a radio station that's going to be close enough to all these things. Right. You know what? So they, it, they've, it has just turned from infinite uh, choice into uh, good enough. <laughs> of course. And, and getting back to the, what was it, the spaghetti sauce analogy that you made, uh, you know, originally, the only thing you had to choose from was ragu sauce. Yeah, that was, yeah that exactly. Was it. Uh, and then, you know, what was it? Uh, I think Prego came, came in and they offered, you know, you know they had, they had a uh, meat sauce, mm-hmm. a mushroom sauce, spicy, you know, all these other options. Um, but it's, that's not a long tail effect. That is just, they're taking you from a, a place where I had very limited options to I'm giving a couple more options. It's not like they're coming up, you know, they're not putting, giving you unlimited uh, spaghetti sauce options to the point where you've got, you know, peanut butter. And, or, or the or, size or isn't larger that they're selling you. I think that that was some business decision that said, you know what, we're going to capture this market like no other. <laughs> we're going to, no, we don't care what you like. You're going to find what you like in one of these 47 different options that we have. And, you know, it, it had an opposite effect where, like, oh, too much choice. Can't deal with it now. So I'm always I'm always trying to think about, you know, it, it, there's lots of things to choose from. Like any market that's growing, there's n- new vendors that are popping up all the time. Um, how do you control that and how do you, like, bring it back down to a place where you can actually consume it and still be happy with what your end result's going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the that's the trick. Because we yeah. all want to be happy. Yeah, you know? and, it, and it gets it gets uh, complicated for me sometimes based on the media that I'm trying to consume. You know, we we talked about music where you know, depending on the style of music, it's out there. I just have to mm-hmm. I might have to use a different service to find it, or uh, you know, I, the work is on my end. It's not based on availability. It's out there. I just got to find it. Um, compare that to uh, you know, movie theater. Uh, you know, different types of movies that are coming out. Uh, it's still limited by you know the production companies that are releasing these movies, and they're only releasing movies that are going to make money. So mm-hmm. they're not making, they're not always making the movies I want, but they're making, they're giving a limited choice. This uh, is why I, I try and support like local indie movie theaters as much as possible oh, because there are some really weird, odd, massively entertaining movies out there mm-hmm. that are not going to be at the you know megaplex down on the corner, right. So, so not to mention they also serve alcohol, which is yes. awesome. And it's like, it's well, we're just time to time. We just got to get to the point where uh, where there's incentive to make a movie on your own, so that it can be distributed uh, on a mass level. Well, you know what? Accessible. We have YouTube now. We do right, which is exactly that concept. But there, there's still the uh, uh, limitation of entry as a as a consumer of that media. Because if I'm looking for a movie, the chances of finding it on YouTube is, is it depends what it, it depends what you're looking for. Okay, I'm I'm gonna suggest that just about anything that you want in certain genres, <laughs> just or about anything that you want to find, 
somebody has either a review of something or uh, some short movie that they made at home or something that might just be ridiculous and terrible quality, but it's on YouTube somewhere. That's true, too. But uh, uh, not well, that, still, not that you want to see it, or you know, it's not gonna, <laughs> it's not you in the bucket of popcorn with the explosions and everything. Yeah, but at that point, now we've got, now now we've got tradition more than we have the actual uh, media itself. Like uh, you know, when when we were growing up, you know, we go to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a big deal because you know you, you know, got in the car, drove over to the movie theater, bought yourself a, you know, popcorn or whatever, and then, hey, this, this is our night out. It's an out. event. Yeah. yeah, Exactly, it's an event. So uh, there's a lot of ritual that's built around that. Um, you know, compare that to, it's like, okay, I'm, now I'm watching that same movie now, but I'm just cranking up Netflix, scrolling around, like, eh, I haven't seen this yet, let's watch it. Have and, you ever, and, and it, it, that's not the same. I don't, I don't yeah. have... There's not a culture. There's not the ritual. There's not the. Do you remember going to the video store and just being paralyzed there? Like, oh crap! What are we going to cho- choose? There's hundreds of movies here. Well, well. You walk up and down degree, the aisles. To a degree, but you tend to um, blaze your own trails in those types of stores. You know, you start. You know, I, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I'll give you what I would probably do. I go to the new releases. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, now I've got things that I haven't had an opportunity to see that are fairly new. I didn't see them in the movie theater, but I want to see them now. Uh, and, and of course, that, those are the high demand options. And then like, oh, I can't find anything here. Okay, now what? What kind of uh, movie? Uh, I want an action adventure thing. So I go over to the action. Sure. Now, now I'm dealing with uh, movies that either I've already seen and I love, or uh, movies that I've always always wanted to see but just ne- didn't have the opportunity. And that's a very, very low uh, low number. So it's it's hard to find. That. <laughs> After that point, uh, well, well, you're getting, getting to, to the like. All right, I guess I'm just wandering around. Now. <laughs> that's right. I'm like, because, oh, this look, this box cover looks interesting. That's right. Because we don't. Because in that situation, we don't have unlimited options. We yep. we are limited by the space that's on the shelf. It's still paralyzing, though. It's still more than three, you know. And I think the same thing happens with Netflix, where it's like, well, scroll, 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 scroll. Um, have you ever used their tool that helps you choose what to see? I know that I've, you know, I've, you know, I've approved or not approved, but I've reviewed certain movies, and you know, I've got my reviews or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, you liked this crappy movie, you will obviously like this crappy movie too. Uh, that sort of situation. Are, are but, we judging your movie? Yeah, preference? I always choose the crappy ones, <laughs> um, but but uh, I, it's it becomes a bit of a chore to be honest with you. The, just the choosing what you're going to see, the reviewing of the movies that I. Oh, you mean the starring of them? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't even think about that usually until yeah. after they show up um, again. Yeah. I think they were smart enough to know that people aren't really starring those movies because it, it's just another level of it, it's, it becomes a chore. Um, granted, it's it, you know it's clicking twice or whatever, but still you don't remember to go. And then, and then everybody has a sliding scale. It's like some people say, "Well, it's not a perfect movie, so it will never be a five star." And I'm, I'm kind of uh, talking about myself, yeah, because there's very, yeah, very few perfect movies. Um, so ev- <laughs> everything that you like tends to be one step down from the perfect movie. So if it's on a ten star scale, you know all the good movies, all your all the movies that you really really like are nine stars. If it's a five Five star scale. All the movies that you really like are four stars. I'm trying to remember your favorite movie now. I think it's like it's the space uh, one, the right, the stuff. right stuff. Yeah, the yeah, right yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
I, think I was Ra- thinking let I the mean, right one in or something. It's like yeah, that's not uh, right. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably a, would probably rank up there. Raiders as a, is classic. As a, Does Raiders four like reduce Lost Ark at I, all? I don't know what you're talking. About. Okay, <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, we have to talk about Star Wars. Of course, we got to talk about <laughs> Star Wars. Speaking of movies that Lucas was uh, involved I've been, with, I've been trying to set you up, and you know, we were talking about media, and I kept saying movies. And then, thank you for picking up the leads. Okay, all right, now we can finally talk about Star Wars. Well, thank uh, goodness, it's not, and it it feels feels very. It's there's a surreal feeling around this, you know. Are we gr- talking gr- about the new one or just Star Wars gr- in general? Uh, well, well, you that, might have the force, Steve. <laughs> well, the new one that's coming out. I mean, we're I mean, we're on a new frontier here. Um, you know, well, that is a. <clears throat> you have no. Idea. You oh, probably I, I, do I, have I'm, a good idea. Of how, no, 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 no. That's actually quite uh, appropriate because J.J. Abrams <laughs> directed the the Star Trek reboot. So in a way, this really is a new frontier <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. So, well, well um, which is you, to say, you think it's about our universe, the scope of it. When you know, when we were kids and first got introduced to uh, Star Wars, you know, we saw the original th- uh, uh, original trilogy in the theaters. You know, anticipated uh, when the next one's coming out, and we we're you know, it was. Um, you know, we saw everything in the movie theater, and we didn't have the internet to back it up to to spoil everything. It was just we were we were at the mercy of the trailers that we saw on You're TV, right. that we were lucky enough to be in front of the TV at the time to see it. Compare that to what we're doing now, where as soon as the trailer came out, it had a gazillion views to it, yeah, and, and comments, and, and comments, know. and you know. You There's know, already immediate feedback. You know, every blog out there was reviewing. Oh, we saw we saw this character with this color uh, lightsaber. Yeah, what, what does, does that mean? mean? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I. For that reason, I try to play dumb. Like, oh, they're just flashy things on the screen, and they look Star Warsy. <laughs> so I like them. Uh, so I don't want to try to spoil it myself. I don't want to think too much into the storyline. I'm not. I'm not worried about spoilers because I, I had a conversation with a, a English teacher friend of mine a while ago, where you know, if even if the story is spoiled and like there's a surprise or something, and you learn what it is. You can still watch the movie and appreciate like how the movie was made or how they're telling that story. There's still something mm-hmm. about it that you're getting value out of. And ultimately, are we? Are we? I, I would like to think we're at a point where most stories there, there's not a whole lot of things that are gonna, actually going to be different about how stories happen. It's all about how it occurs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know this person kills that person or this person has powers or yeah, I mean, it's well, well, if you've got a movie that has some sort of twist on it, I mean, it's in their I would say, uh, this is just merely my opinion, but the, whoever's making the movie, it's in their best interest to withhold as much as they sure. can about that. that Granted, that, and this is twist. why I have tickets for you know the <laughs> first showing on the day before it comes out, even right. though they, I don't get that it's like released on a Friday, but you can see it at 7 p.m. Is that because they're using UTC time? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. yeah, I'll be there. Actually, I have three sets of tickets. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right, and because it's important, you know, getting back to you know how we dealt with the original uh, uh, trilogy, you know, how we are uh, getting excited about it is just like, oh my gosh, I got through all three of the movies, and I was so excited, you know, um, and you know, as a kid, it was perfect for me, and then uh, and then when the uh, prequels came out, the excitement level was was pretty darn high as well. Yep, yep. Unfortunately, didn't didn't hold up as well. 
uh, lesser quality movies. I don't think I'm I'm speaking out of turn by saying that. Um, But now seeing the trailer for uh, Force Awakens feels like uh, it's you know going back to its roots, or at least it feels like it's building off of the good parts of Star Wars, as opposed to just saying, "Oh, we've got some new stuff that we're going to cram down your throat." You know, the the trailers for original trilogy were actually pretty good too. Yeah, I I agree. Um, So that's not a great reasonable point. I will say that I am also super excited. I I love and accept the original trilogy, obviously. I I also love and accept the prequels at this point. You know what? They're granted, they're not the best movies in the universe. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens, but I've figured out how to skip certain parts (laughs) of the DVD so that they become the movies that I want to watch. And you know what? At the same time, it's still... So it... This is what I was talking about with um, even if you know what the the tricks are, what the plot happens or the way it occurs, there's still the different, there's the event where you're watching it, right? And in those cases, it well, wasn't well, really it, that great It still breaks down to into some, some hero's journey. Yeah, right. uh, which is classic, right? Yeah. That is that is all of our journeys, right? Right. So This is why Star Wars is by far the best myth we've ever it's, had. It's new but familiar. Um, you know, it's not like the the hero isn't going to uh, go against their own belief system and do something you know off off the off the rails that uh, goes against what their character is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it follows a familiar path. I mean, it doesn't have to always be uh, you know you know they're you know following their father's footsteps or you know it's a good story. <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, but uh, when they're doing that, it, it's a familiar field. And uh, it, you just have to maintain that that uh, foundation, that structure that you can build off of. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Joseph Campbell is a uh, oh, he, he studied quite a bit of what the the hero journey looks like, and he's got I, some really interesting books too. Yeah, I've heard enough references that uh, I need to I need to read all all of his stuff, <laughs> not just the. What is it a man with a thousand faces? Yep. I think. Let's, yeah, that book changed my life with um, uh, referring to my perspective on Star Wars, actually, in a good way, in a great way. And, and you know, I think it was after that that I really started, and I don't know if that's responsible or if it's just, you know, different times in my life, but I'm at this point now where I'm totally entertained by these different theories about, like, what this character was really doing or who's really in charge or are Sith even bad in the first place or is it really you know I hear somebody say like oh yeah Star Wars is great because it's about good versus evil and I'm sitting here thinking like no it's not Star Wars is really about like a father who made some poor choices and is redeemed by his his child in a way and and then I can be I can correct my own self it's also about like 50,000 other different things so (laughs) that's it's one of those really nerdy things that has all those multiple layers that you can just nerd out on it and, and yeah. like, what are these robots even doing? Like, well, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you take uh, you take the cantina scene in mm-hmm. Star Wars. Point your finger at any random character, and they have a full backstory. Oh, they have probably at least a chapter in a book written about each of yes. them. Yes, yeah. uh, they they have at least some conflict, uh, something that they're trying, some inner demon that they're getting past. You know, you. You know, they have a a planet that they're from. They're mm-hmm. a they're an alien race that has been defined. Uh, I mean, there's so much information, and it's uh, it's too easily dismissed by people that don't get into it by saying, "Oh, that's geeky. I don't like Star Wars." That's fine. It's not for everybody. That's not fine. But for 
to just lump it in with, oh, it's, you know, it's some lasers and this is hokey. It's like, you know what? No, it's, it, there's it's a more lot there. There's a lot. It, it, the, the hole is pretty deep. You just have to be willing to, uh, uh, to dig a little bit. You know, I hope it's not overwhelming. Um, I think, I, I still think you could probably approach any one of those movies. Maybe not some of the, maybe not episode one. We can just never mention that again. Yeah. Um, I, th- I hope you can approach any of those mo- any of the movies other than episode one and still get something out of it without, you know, having, you, know, you don't need to know, like, about Hammerhead's background or anything. <laughs> you still like, oh, here's a weird looking dude. Right. You're in a cantina. Okay, next scene kind of thing. But, it, you know, it's there if you want to go there. Um, you can go as deep as you want to go. That's like um, the ultimate fantasy everything. But you, know, you mentioning book, episode one, and you know it, it harkens back to when uh, my son was old enough to at least uh, appreciate the movies, and 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 I I, I tortured myself like, how am I going to present these? Do I do I re- do I show them in the order in which that they were released historically? Mm-hmm. Do I change up the order? So I tried to do the adjusted... Uh, the hatchet? The hatchet, whatever. Hatchet model? Yeah. So, so that That's was... classic. Uh, so I started off with uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Episode four. Episode five. That's episode a continuation five. of Luke's and story. And going back to the At, at the end of five, you're kind of like, what's Luke going to exactly. do? This is weird. Exactly. And now you mirror that with his father's story. Right. Forget episode one, because so it doesn't have I, anything valuable. I outsmarted myself, so... So I went episode four, which is Star Wars, and episode five, Empire Strikes Back, and mm-hmm. then went to the prequels, and I was like, hey, you know what? I don't want to bog him down with episode one. It's there, There's no there, value. Hatchet order no does value. not include number one. Exactly. It so says went, chop that out. So that's episode two, three, and then finally to return the Jedi. Yeah, because now and you I, see, like, oh, Darth Vader just, like, fell. Right. He just and made really some bad choices I, and got really his arm and his legs after, chopped off. Uh, really what I was after with them. Spoilers? Spoiler alerts? Yes. Um, really? Yeah. It, you know, the, the, the reveal of... Uh, the um, it, We can do this without spoiling that. Um, I know what you're uh, talking well, about. Well, I'm, 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 it, that was said tongue-in-cheek. I mean, obviously, you know, the reveal that uh, that Darth Vader was... Uh, mm-hmm. Don't oh, um, oh, man. I wanted that to have a big payoff. Uh, that's really what changing up the, uh, the schedule was all about. But it's so ingrained in culture now. You know, you know, it wasn't. I, I think my son knew. Luke, I am your father. I mean, he he was saying that before, before he'd ever he seen actually the knew it. That's your fault, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, should, I totally I understand. It, I, yeah, I couldn't. the The culture was bigger than I was. Uh, it was so ingrained. I couldn't. I couldn't control it. Uh, he was going to find out information. Yeah. Whether it, it didn't matter the the order. I could have. I could have showed him episode one, two, three, four, five, and six in order, and he would have had the exact same information. From his perspective, I'm watching Star Wars movies. Right, right. And now, instead of hearing about it, hearing about it in theory and hearing it secondhand and thirdhand of what characters are, yeah. I'm actually seeing it on a screen. He has some experience. Yeah, it, it was merely validating what he already knew. It was There was nothing I was showing him in those movies that was new to him other than seeing it on... You know, full scale on a well, full scale on a screen um, portrayed for him. It was like, oh, okay, this is cool. So, does it even really matter then that the first time watching them? Uh, that, I I, I, I want to feel that if there's an adult who has not seen them yet, then yeah, you should probably watch it in this order. And, and you know, you're exactly right because they're going to already have those cultural references. But for 
smaller children or I don't know. It, there's a point where you realize, yeah, the first time is great, but by the way, you're going to watch Star Wars a lot more in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you now that you know the storyline, now you can begin to start thinking about Star Wars or you come up with some weird theory about what's really going on in a, a certain scene and then watch them again and now it's a different experience for you. You know, mm-hmm. it's I think once you have that base it's like the first time you read a book, you're like, hey, that was really good. And then you read it again, you're like, whoa, that was really good in a different way now. Mm-hmm. If it's a good book, where that can do that. Right. Uh, Star Wars so, is a good book, I guess. So uh, where are you coming into the, the uh, Force Awakens? Are, do you have high expectations and hoping that the movie meets them? Or do you have some sort of reservation of, I need to hedge my bets just in case this is a, a prequel thing all over again? I don't think it's possible that I won't be happy and excited after seeing this movie. Right. So I do realize my expectations are pretty high. I don't know what's going to happen. I know a little bit about some of the characters. Um, so what, what it what won't, have you it seen, won't make me mad. I what will, have you seen that, that gives you optimism? I've seen Star Trek. I think J.J. Abrams is awesome. I think he could... I didn't, he he I seems didn't to see, make good choices. I saw the first one, the first reboot that J.J. Uh, yep. Abrams did. Super did, 8 is also awesome. Did, did yes, you ever see I that? I did see that. Uh, that was freaking that was fantastic. Cool but uh, I didn't see, was it Into Darkness? Was I have that? not seen that. I think, All right, I think I my think, wife has seen that. Yeah, um, I, I have not heard great things, and so the incentive to watch it is pretty low. And, you know, I'm not a big Star Trek guy. I, like I said, I enjoyed the, the reboot, but I, I don't, I'm not chasing that. To the point where like, oh, a sequel's coming out. I gotta go see it. I heard enough lukewarm things. It, it, no, lukewarm. I don't think anybody's ever said that it's terrible. But uh, it, there's not enough incentive based on other people's reviews that says I gotta go see that. And it's been in, it's been on Netflix forever, and I it's in my queue. And I was like, eh, you have I'm all that other watch. choices to watch. Yeah, exactly. And I just so consider this though with with the prequels, um, you you had a universe. And now you, you know, as a movie maker, you have to create stuff that happened before this. So you're already locked in in your, your end result. You already kind of know what the universe looks like. There's characters that you're going to have to make up that are brand new that nobody has frame of reference for. Some of them, you know, grow into other characters. So there, there's a little bit of a trap, you know, coming up with a prequel, I think. And granted, some different choices could have been made that, that might have turned out different. But it, it kind of is what it was. Um, going forward, though, there's... You know, you're you're stretching into the future. Now there's, we already have this rich history of all the other movies that ever will be because there's not going to be an episode zero or anything like that. Um, you're just going forward. There's new characters that are going to be uh, introduced that, it, you know, you don't have to tie back to the younger version of somebody else. You're, you you mm-hmm. get to see the experience of of you know Han Solo or Princess Leia, you know, twenty some odd years in the future and it's like whoa these people have aged with me now I get to see like you know this younger generation of little Star Wars characters what's going on here so I I think just by default of it being you know as our Star Wars experience has aged these movies the characters in them have also aged so now it's going to be right and it's with us you know it's not to oversimplify this but we're going in the right direction uh, chronologically yeah it is very difficult to do a prequel let alone a, a trilogy of prequels. <laughs> right. And and I think where it really, you know, trips over itself is when they try to be too cute with it and and, and do the, the fan service type mm-hmm. stuff. 
where I was like, okay, well, let's see. Well, we can make this character the great-grandfather of this yeah. character. Oh, or, you like Boba Fett? Here's an entire scene. Yeah, exactly. Of Boba Fett. Here's his dad and everything yeah. that you could possibly think of. And it's like, yeah, we liked Boba Fett because he was cool. And, and he mysterious. Was, and, and mysterious. And now you've kind of you, taken the mystery out of it. just defined, yeah. Like, and taken the mystery out of it. And, uh, yeah, it was... A, that that's very difficult. You know, you can't just introduce a bunch of new people <laughs> in a prequel and have people, you know, relate to them, attach themselves to it uh, on a personal level. Uh, that's why that's why they try to make those connections, but it seems so clumsy. It yeah. really did. Everything just seemed like they it, it, everything didn't have to tie together. Every, it was way too many coincidences, too many things that. Were, too many people were related, or too many people knew each other. Is it, well, made, it, yeah. made, it makes the universe small. Yeah, and that's not what you want out of your Star Wars movie. You want to have the the room full of aliens, and you're wondering like, well, what is that guy doing? Does he have like a loan on a car or something? Or you know, just the, <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking of that actually. But yeah, yeah, it, Star Wars. Well, um, yeah. Uh, gosh, we can do a. I could do a whole podcast on Star Wars, but uh, <laughs> I think people are glad that I, I won't. Um, but, uh, well, let me give you uh, this opportunity. I, I get. I've asked you a lot of questions. Do you have any? Uh, we'll turn the tables and see if uh, you have any questions for me. Um, or just what is the capital of South Dakota? Uh, uh, no, you don't have to answer that. It's either Pierre uh-huh. or Bismarck. I don't remember which is which. So. In, in, in full disclosure, we have done this before. <laughs> right? That's right. Um, I was like, oh, this feels very I familiar. Have, yes. I have had a practice run. We yes. had some technical uh, I'll, difficulties. I'll, exp- I'll explain that, and it's all on me. So uh, probably about a month ago, I brought you in here, and we basically were sitting in the exact same places and set up everything, started recording, had a great conversation. Uh, and hit all the points I wanted to hit, and then went back to review it, and I had nothing. There, nothing recorded. I, I had basically a flat line of audio. Uh, so, luckily, uh, you know, uh, well, let's explain a little further. So, I, knock I, on wood here to make right sure. Right after I, I sat down on the computer, I was ready to, you know, I do a little some edits, uh, add some. Add the music at the front and, and all these little things. So I sit down, make sure the the quality, uh, the audio quality is there, and nothing. And I was so bummed because we talked for an hour and a half, maybe hour hour and some change. And immediately I texted you and said, Jim, oh, everything we talked about didn't get it, nothing. And uh, you definitely gave me some perspective like oh you mean we got to hang out and drink beer and talk about cool <laughs> stuff again all right <laughs> so that's what we're doing this is us hanging out drinking beer two. and talking about cool stuff so your question two. um i remember when we were working together you had this really neat idea of wouldn't it be cool if there was this thing called the ultimate mix cd where or that might not even be what it was called that's how i remember it where oh you have to here's the here's the ch- rules to this challenge you have to fit your favorite songs or songs that are personal to you or you know songs that you want to fit onto an audio CD um, and these songs have to come from your collection and that becomes your ultimate personal mix CD and I don't know that idea was like holy crap that's really cool and 
Um, it's really, really difficult. It <laughs> was really hard. Going through that process for me was like just paring down and paring down and trying to not only find things that I really liked that were, you know, spoke to me personally, but things that went together. Mm-hmm. And then you have to order them on a CD. And I don't know, my, I was listening to mine on the way over here, actually. Awesome. And it's, awesome. it's still in my car. It's uh, And I'm not even sure where that idea came well, from. Well, that was and my it, question. Because like, where did that come uh, from? Because well, uh, that's really it cool. Was, it, was, it was fairly organic. Um, you know, I... I think I was in a, you know, I had a car that uh, had a CD player, but I wasn't listening to CDs anymore. I always listened to, uh, uh, you know, I had an iPod and had it on shuffle and just listened to whatever music at whatever time that the shuffle decided. Uh, but I still like the idea of, oh, I'll go back to the songs I really like. And I was like, well, I'll just, you know, I never used the CD player. It was an individual CD player. And so I'll just make a, a mix CD, like, well, what am I going to put on there? Am I just going to make it from one band or one album or one genre? And then I just kept increasing that idea. Like, well, why don't I make the best CD I could possibly make? And then immediately I realized I have more songs than what could fit on an audio CD. I'm like, man, this is a great lesson of, you know, Trimming the fat. That's economy right there. Yeah, trimming you know, you the have fat of infinite what, what I wanted and make sure that resources. everything was represented. So from my personal standpoint, when I looked at my uh, library of music and was trying to make an audio CD, so you know, when we're talking about audio CD, you, you, know, you know, dealing with different links and what can fit on there, uh, we're basically dealing with about, you know, we'll say... 62, 50, 72 50, minutes. 15, song, 15 songs. You know, the lo- longer your songs, you get fewer songs. Uh, short, shorter songs, you get uh, more songs you can squeeze in there. But uh, 15 was about average. Uh, I put this uh, challenge out to several people, and I got some returns back. And uh, everybody that did it, uh, you know, felt like they had an experience of some sort. It's an accomplishment. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's it becomes a philosophical, you know, you know, soul searching event. <laughs> like, who am I, and how yeah, like, does, how does music represent who I yeah, am? Yeah, and, and some great questions that come up is like, all right, I like this certain genre of music. Now, are all my songs going to come from this genre, even though I listen to this other stuff over here every once in a while? Um, and right, because you want it to be representative, but right. you also so want let's it say, to be good. And let's say you listen to mostly classic rock, but you like hip-hop as well. Well, if you're going to combine those two, how many hip-hop songs are you going to put on there? Um, and that's that's where I really struggled. And, well... And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, the Beastie Boys were an option there because they really <laughs> uh, bridged some of those gaps for me. <laughs> that was a really cool process. And I, I think that kind of speaks to um, a characteristic I think you have where you recognize individuality. Blah, easy for me to say. Individuality or like personal experience from people that you know. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy crap, you're cool because you do X, Y, and Z. Um, and I don't find that... Not everyone does that. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's people that we meet that, you know, they're interested in, in what you like because they like it. But I, I right. find that you have a really open mind towards like, oh, that's neat. Hey, tell me. I've never heard about this. Tell me more about this. Or you walk into somebody's room full of like, you know, uh, model robots and you're like, all right, I don't know what any of this means. Impress me. Show me something that's cool here. Right. right. And, and, it, uh, and where this comes from is I get... 
you know, I build off of other people's passions because their passions make them excited. If they're excited, they're a more interesting person. Hmm. Um, and what those passions are will will sometimes enhance or deter me. And I'll, I'll use you as an example. You know, you know, I didn't even mention it, but you enjoy uh, brewing your own beer at home. Um, you're, uh, you know, you, your IT path is very similar to mine. We, we do a lot of the same things. You're obviously a, a Star Wars fan as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, recently you got your ham radio mm-hmm. license, which is very cool. Um, but I can't identify with it. I can identify <laughs> with the other things I just listed. And I will ask you questions about all that. I have probably one, maybe two questions about ham radio operation, and you'll get into it, and we'll, I will essentially paint myself in a corner. And it's like, oh, I don't know what else to ask about this. <laughs> uh, but the, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not an interesting person. It's just one of your selected uh, hobbies uh, just doesn't interest me as much as some of your other hobbies. Oh, I do. guarantee I have other non-interesting <laughs> hobbies, too. I'm sure. I just can't think of any right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, getting back to the uh, ultimate audio CD, I'll, I'll I'll challenge anybody that's listening. It's like if you if you're listening to this, I challenge you to create an audio CD that that is comprised solely of music from your own personal music library. Uh, it has to you have to turn it into an audio CD. We're not going to cut corners and make an MP3 CD. It has to be an audio CD that will play in a CD player. What if, what if I only have um, like Spotify <laughs> right now, or what if I only have a streaming service? I don't. I don't know what you're going to do. Kids these days, man. Yeah, they don't. They don't have to make choices. They just have everything. But it's easy to buy music nowadays. It's everywhere. Why would I do it if I'm paying fifteen well, dollars a month to stream? How many clicks does it take until you purchase that song? Why would I? I'm going to hear it in three hours. Stop me. Stop with this logic. <laughs> I don't anyway. use Spotify ever, so um, I'm just devil's advocate. <laughs> but still, you. create create your own uh, create your own ultimate music CD and uh, and really take a peek into your uh, your own individuality and and see how you can do it. It's uh, it's an excellent challenge for anybody. I, I promise that. Uh, I've done mine. I didn't. Well, obviously, I think I was one of the first people that did it, uh, and I've listened to it. I'm like, man, I need to update it. And now, really, <laughs> yes. Where so this, you think it's changed? Yes, then. there are songs that are on my current Ultimate Mix CD that are not necessarily not representative, but uh, I think I've I've picked up a couple songs along the way that are that have eclipsed it. And so I, need it, to, I need to figure out a way to get the newer songs in there. And there are definitely some songs that were probably borderline that are like, yeah, they're pretty good. But uh, now uh, I've got things that have um, kicked them off. So is this a tweaking of what is the ultimate thing or is this just an evolution as time goes uh, on? It's, you know, we live in a different environment now. You have different songs that you're listening I think, to. I think once you commit to it, I think a good review every every five years... I just heard another challenge. Exactly. If I've already tasked you with this hmm. and it's been over five years, you need to do it again. I'm going to do it. I'll do it before the end of the year. Yeah. That's very difficult. All right. I think we've, I think we've covered it all. I think we've done a good job here. And uh, hopefully all this recorded and we don't have to bring you in a third time. <laughs> well, or I'm going to bring you in a third time anyway and we'll count it as episode, you know, the next episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
Well, Jim, thanks for coming in. This thanks, was Steve. very enjoyable. It's always good talking to you. All right. Take care, partner.